You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Look. We were rapping round a handle like baggage claim tags. Scenic route to success, passing palisade crags. Staring at the summit, wearing plummets on our rib cages. Stuck against rubble, glowing kisses at the cliff faces. Flick cases in the crossfire. Hi, this is Mick, and you are listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. I am on the line with Adam, who also goes by the name Def C. How are you doing, Def C? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Desi is a local hip-hop artist. He is very prolific, especially since the start of the pandemic, and he also teaches poetry. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the overlap between teaching poetry, education in general, and hip-hop, because it seems like a lot of hip-hop artists it is an education. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts as to why that is and Maybe if you had any thoughts as to, you know, how your work as a hip-hop artist overlaps with your work as a poetry teacher. So I think a lot of us get into teaching and education strictly from a place of the each one teach one motto that came out of the 5% Nation of Gods and Earths, which is something that I think was very present in early hip-hop. And also, I think that ever since its inception, hip hop has thrived on informal mentorship. So there have been so many different artists who have benefited from there being older artists or older DJs who have pulled them to the side and and really tried to put them in a better place artistically, as well as when it comes to their living situation or their financial situation or what have you. And I think that that spirit, honestly, for those of us who are lucky enough to be able to experience it, becomes something that you want to pay forward. And I think the best way to do that is in education. And I also think that so much of hip hop music and culture and the way it's written about is entirely devoid of context and subtext. And so as educators, it allows for us to provide that context and subtext to people who want to get into hip hop and want to learn about it and want to learn how to do it so that they're able to do so in a culturally competent way. And it also allows for me to be a lot more patient and open-minded with young people because I have additional context for what they're listening to or what they're going through based on what they're listening to. Do you feel like it's made you a better writer uh, teaching others poetry? Absolutely. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to run a program that was created by my mentor in high school who retired last year. One of the most formative experiences I had as a high schooler and a young rapper was to study the craft of writing poetry at the same time as I was listening to Company Flows, Funk Crusher Plus, Ghostface Killers, Supreme Clientele, these these very poetic rap albums that I was able to find the mechanics or the techniques transferable to writing poetry and vice versa. So in in doing that, I think it's allowed for me to enhance my understanding of writing in a variety of different contexts. And that definitely includes rapping. So I'm able to take 
a poetic approach to how I write rhymes, and I'm able to take a musical approach to how I write poetry. Now, something that I'm curious about is the development of your own flow. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Ghostface. Um, are a big fan of Scarface and uh, Jay Z. These guys all have you know, pretty forceful flows. You know, flows that are defined a lot by punctuation, and you know, they have a lot of gritty subject matter. But when I listen to you, I think I'm, and don't take offense to this, I'm thinking more common. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody who is, um, whose flow is more defined by their ability to knit um, lyrics into a melody and mm-hmm. uh, who is coming from more of a socially conscious uh, perspective. So I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on that. The first two albums I bought with my own money were The Miseducation of Lauren Hill and the edited version of Like Water for Chocolate by Common when I was 11 years old, I think. I think Common's music was very important to me when I was first starting to take rap seriously. So I consider that a compliment. I also think that there's a musicality to Common's delivery that I don't think is I'm consciously striving for, but it's listenable, but there's still enough of a technical aspect to it for people to enjoy the rapping side of it. And then coming up, listening to Jay and Common and Scarface and Lauren and and Ghostface, I think listening to all of these people, they have had hyper-technical moments in their careers, but the one thing that they've always been able to do is approach the form with a lot of musicality. And as I've gotten older, I've started to understand that if there's no musicality to the way that I rhyme, then I'm basically a one-trick pony. I think everybody who you've named has been very aware of and conscious of doing whatever they can to avoid sounding dated. So I think studying them has really helped with that as far as my flow is concerned. And I just never want to be the old guy at the party. Buckle my baby in the swing and burp a rapper with my free hand. God must have called him to pick a switch and I'm the tree branch. Moving stupid, placing bids on eBay for a G-Pass. I was in the gym, that album cover on the speed bag. And I'm not even trying, this is what I wrote in my kitchen. Brushing a bottle, nipple, and rinsing soap from the dishes. Can't you see how big the total I get is for these verses now? They rapping, holding hats on the train. Um, and I think that segues pretty well into talking about your new single, Learning Gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was produced by uh, Blockhead. You know, there is a, a, a very forceful melody to it, but um, you're not losing any of the technicality that I think, you know, sort of defines your style. And then also, um, which which I'm going to be real honest, I don't think you get enough credit for. Uh, you're, you are a very technical rapper, and uh, you don't get enough credit for it. But um, I like the way that you sort of melded together your technical aspect with a more... Uh, melody focus aspect and uh, I want to again get your response as to whether or not my impressions are accurate and you know maybe get you to talk a little bit about how this single came together and what your intentions were for it. First of all thank you very much for the kind words. I think that another commonality no pun intended please edit that corny joke out of the no I'm just playing. Um, (laughs) I think that the commonality amongst all of the MCs you mentioned as well is from bar one of their verses, you know what's about to happen and it's going to be something forceful and impactful. And I feel like working with the producer who is as accomplished as Blockhead, who is somebody who I've revered for a long time since I was very young, it's a big moment for me. So if 
a moment like that is going to present itself, I'm going to make sure I'm making full use of it and taking full advantage of it. And there's no way for me to do that without making something that sounds as epic as learning gravity sounds like. And something that I've learned from people like Armin Hammer, people like Makhami, people like Jay-Z, people like Lauren Hill, Gene Gray, is that that technicality can be pivoted into musicality depending on where you're placing the syllables and depending on how you're writing the verses. And I think that that is something I wanted to make sure I did with this single because I want for people to be able to enjoy listening to it, but I don't want it to occupy so much energy to pay attention to that people are missing what's happening. So it's a difficult needle to thread, but I try to do that every time. And especially when I'm presented with opportunities like this one. Um, do you mind if we talk a little bit about For All Debts, Public and Private? Because I feel like that is a very emblematic title for um, just your ethos. You seem to have just a drive to pay it forward and to be constantly giving as part of your music. And I was wondering if you could maybe unpack that a little bit for us. I'm a white rapper whose life was saved by hip hop. And hip hop was presented to me by my older sisters who are two black women. And I think I owe a major debt of gratitude that cannot be repaid to black and brown people who have welcomed me into hip hop and entrusted me with, with the expression of it as a form of self-expression for me. And I think as a white person, I have a responsibility to pay that forward in whatever work I do with young people in whatever work I do to advocate for other MCs and I think for all debts, public and private, that's definitely one of the public debts that I'm referring to. There's also the chip on my shoulder that I think credit I felt like I wasn't getting for a lot of the stuff that I was doing in hip hop. And, you know, instead of going on some kind of crazy Twitter rant about, you know, expecting to be owed something, which is, again, if we want to talk about me being a white rapper is a really annoying and entitled thing to complain about. I also just have to show and prove. And I think that's part of the ethos of hip hop as well. And then money as well. I think money and the discussion of money is present in nearly every song on the album because I'm terrible with it. I'm absolutely horrible with money and I'm constantly trying to catch up on my finances and getting them together to this very day. So as a result of that, I just wanted to be honest and open about those struggles I have as well, because it's I can be as superhuman as I want to be on the microphone. But at the end of the day, if I'm not being vulnerable in my music as well, there's nothing to distinguish it from the next rapper who thinks they're the best out. So I think that all of that is what's wrapped up in that title. In addition to it just being a cool phrase that I got from the title of one of my favorite episodes of one of my favorite TV shows, which is The Sopranos. So, and even if you think about issues of entitlement, male entitlement, white male entitlement, that's present on that show as well. I think that also ties in the, into the title too, even if it wasn't intentional when I was creating it. Got my name on blast. 
Like ankle monitors over low socks. There's holes water like Highlanders on the stovetop. Play the game and Is there anything else that you want to say while I have you online tonight, uh, Defsy? Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thank you for the work that you do. I'm somebody who was raised on public radio and I'm just very grateful to be on the platform and appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. Again, this has been Nick talking with Defsy for Chirp Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Expect an expensive year. Only gonna travel as far as my commuter take me. Unless you paying what could change life for my wife and baby. Soon as I stopped complaining, I started serving the customers. Steep hills and stats at my feet. Watch me run them up. We were hermits in a barrel full of crabs. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.